In the holy name of Jesus, amen. amen. Peter just wanted to get it right. He has a good heart, and he is extraordinarily well-intentioned and energetic, and he just wanted to help Jesus. And I think most of you are like Peter. You just want to get it right. Most of you just want to help Jesus and to be of some use to him. But Jesus doesn't seem to make it easy, and that is always perplexing for us. Here is the way of Jesus in the gospel for today. Silence, obedience, suffering, and death. It's unnatural for us who have been bent by our ejection from Eden to embrace all of that. We've been permanently scarred. We don't like to be silent. Hardly anybody I know can keep a secret. After all, the fun is in the telling. And we don't like to be taught or corrected or told to obey. I know of a brilliant teacher who stopped teaching far too early. When she was asked why, she said, in the old days, parents always sided with the teachers. But these days, parents always side with the kids. So it's very difficult to discipline and have an obedient classroom. It makes it impossible to teach. We hate losing, and we hate losers. I love the motto from the Iditarod bike race. Cowards won't show and the weak will die. And despite our bravado, when it comes to dying, we aren't very good. Few folks I've ever known have died well. If you ever know somebody who dies well, it's really something to behold. But those are the four things that Jesus asks from us in the gospel for today as Jesus intensifies our Lenten catechesis, silence, obedience, suffering, and death. Peter says, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says, for God's sake, don't tell anybody. Silence. Jesus says, I'm going to die. And Peter says, don't be silly. We'll have to find another way for you to be the Messiah. Obedience. Jesus says, Peter, when you talk like that, you sound just like Satan. Peter says, I was just trying to help. It's suffering. Jesus says, if you're going to follow me, grab a cross and get in line. Peter says, have you got something just a bit smaller, a bit lighter, something a bit less taxing? It's your death. Does it have to be so hard? Isn't there another way? Because most of you have good hearts and most of you are well-intentioned. Most of you are trying to get it right. Most of you are actually trying to help. So why is it so hard to be a disciple? It is so hard to be a disciple because the damage is so deep. The damage to ourselves and to others, we're so much less than human. And we are so much less than we are meant for that there just isn't any other way to get salvation done but the hard way. Most of you are pretty good people. Peter was a pretty good person too. The thing that Peter missed and that we often miss is that pretty good isn't good enough. The way of Jesus, as we've heard in these last few weeks of Lent, is completely other and very odd. 
And it's always all or nothing. We've been saying this since Christmas. It's either Herod or the Magi. You can't have both. It's either darkness or light on transfiguration. You can't have both. It's false or true. It's out or in. It's death or resurrection. That's a story for Peter today. You can't have both. And that's the way it's always been with our Lord. It's always all or nothing. And in the past few weeks, the all or nothing message could not have been clearer. Up near heaven at Jesus' transfiguration, down into hell at Jesus' baptism. The damage is so great that unless Jesus himself drops down from heaven in flesh and blood for the life of the world, unless Jesus Christ himself comes from heaven to repair creation one day in person and sea and storm and demon and disciple at a time, unless Jesus does it, unless Jesus comes to make wrongs right, we're done for. So there is no sense in Peter or any of you giving Jesus any good advice on how to be Messiah. You and I, who are only pretty good people, can't be helping Jesus with his holy work as Messiah, his holy work of atonement. We have got no all or nothing in us, so we've got no all or nothing to be giving him. And anybody who tries to help him in that way, Jesus calls them a little Satan. A word of advice. Don't judge your Lent by what is pleasant. Satan wasn't that unpleasant in the wilderness. He was actually quite charming and he seemed very helpful. But Jesus called Satan Satan and he calls Peter Satan because Satan always urges Jesus to shave the edges, to give up the all or nothing, to give up the other way home. Satan gave good data. He reminded Jesus that most of us don't like silence and we don't like obedience and we don't like suffering and we don't like death. So he argued that Jesus ought to skip the cross and concentrate on what titillates us jumping off the temple top or changing rocks to bread. It's the loud, it is the spectacular, it is the comfortable that they love. It was a great business plan. But that's Herod's way home, not the way of the wise men. So Jesus ran Satan off with a word of scripture and Satan, you remember, in return promised to come back another day. This is the day he came back. Verse 31 and 32, Satan has his hooks in Peter's tongue. So Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected and be killed. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. That's the word that you use for casting out a demon. So Peter took Jesus aside to cast out his demon. Thanks but no thanks, says Jesus to Peter. I'll be taking another way home. A way of silence and obedience and suffering and death, a way that ends in the cross. Like a sheep led to slaughter, he opened not his mouth. It is his father's way 
of recreating us, of restoring a new heaven and a new earth, of leading us back to Eden by another way. Good news. If after knowing all of that, that his way means silence and obedience and suffering and death, if you still want to get it right, if you'd still like to help Jesus, if you could still be of some good use to him, he would have you along the way. You can come. But you should pack lightly. Verse 34. Then Jesus called the crowd and the disciples to himself, and he said to them, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Leave your own stuff at home. Pack lightly, says Jesus, because he's already packed up all you need for this journey in the cross. And faith agrees with that. That's what Jesus meant when he spoke back to Peter in verse 33. Tend the things of God and not the things of men. Think about the things of God and not the things of men. Mind the things of God and not the things of men. Bear the things of God and not the things of men. Silence, obedience, suffering, and death. And when that is done, when his way of the cross is yours, by the physical touch of Jesus in his word and his sacrament, and that touch, that physical touch permeates your whole being, then and only then you've got what you need to be drawn into his service. Then and only then does what you do in your own life matter. Then and only then if you help Jesus extend his kingdom, then and only then have you been found on another way home. Because then and only then you finally come to understand that the only good work is a forgiven work, that even our best works need to be forgiven, even Peter, even us. This creation needs the imprint of the cross. And after that, Jesus will take all the forgiven help you've got, all the help he can get as he leads us home by another way. Because there are still so many days and persons and seas and storms and demons and disciples to be repaired. In the holy name of Jesus, amen.